0: Welcome back, Hemingbrainiacs, to the Hemingway List podcast, the best podcast ever. Today's episode is brought to you by a latte that I'm having at 11pm because nothing matters anymore. Well, at least things like caffeine late at night don't matter anymore, because I don't have to get up tomorrow at any particular time. Patreon.com slash the Hemingway List if you would like to be a subscriber, a supporter, I should probably say. Because you're probably already a subscriber If you would like to support the podcast That's where you do it And I appreciate it Um we have another sip of this latte One moment please Oh it's so good How do they do it How do they do it I mean I made it so I know how I did it But how do they do it Um What are we talking about Of Human Bondage Chapter 20, discussion prompts, it it looks like I forgot to write a discussion prompt and I left the one in there from yesterday, so that's my bad. Um, But apparently you guys don't need me to prompt you anyway. We can have a discussion without that. Entropa says, hmm, well now I'm wondering what Ander really intended as a prompt. Um, I can't remember, actually, what I was going to write. What was the chapter about again? Um, oh man, i got a memory like a sieve. I'll I'll read through the discussion and see if I can actually remember what the chapter was about and what I was going to ask. Fix the Blue said, And so Mr. and Mrs. Carey's life plans for Philip come to an end. Philip sees the vicar for what he is and no longer wishes to become ordained. He sees hypocrisy in the religious and decides he wants to see the world. I wonder what is in store for Philip next. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I do get a baby. Can't wait. I calculated when we are due to be done. This is continuing on from the last few days of podcasts, if you've skipped any. Uh, Fix the Blue is pregnant and can't eat dippy eggs, uh, unfortunately. But does get a baby at the end of the whole thing, so, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, I calculated when we are due to be done with the book and baby Fix the Blue is due the day after. I thought that was pretty cool. That is very cool. Wouldn't it be cool if it all lined up and um, rather than voting on what the next book will be, we'll vote on what you should name it. And then you have to name it that. That's the new rule of the subreddit. That sounds like an interesting and fun plan for everyone. Let's do that. Your baby's going to end up being called freaking Morgum or something. (laughs) Morgham. More, more, um, that's really cool though. Uh, and hey, we get to find out if it's a boy or a girl, that's kind of cool too. You're giving me baby brain over here. I am a bit of a sucker for like for babies. Uh, you know, where I think I've skipped from one comment to another. Oh, yeah, Entropa also had this to say. You know what? Even reading that comment, I don't really remember what the chapter was about. I think actually what my discussion... I think I just remembered what my discussion prompt was going to be. I think I was going to say, can anyone recap this chapter? Um, Because I didn't pay much attention. So that must be why I can't remember what the chapter was about. That all makes sense now. Antropos said this. I like that Philip's independent streak is asserting itself. I won't. I won't. I won't. It's very interesting that the author... Essentially, the grown-up and mature Philip finds an excuse of sorts for the behaviour of the local clergyman. He shows an understanding that the young Philip does not. It's a peek into the future of the type of man he will become. What accounts for this growth in character? What changes the youthfully intolerant <coughs> excuse me, Philip into a man who is understanding and charitable towards others? Well, I mean, you'd think just age itself i think most people go from being a little bit gung-ho as young men young people teenagers especially a little bit you can be a little bit um what's the word when you're inconsiderate i suppose of what of other people's position um and hopefully with the wisdom of age you start to wise up a bit and 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 see, you know, for at, as a younger person, you might only see the flaw in another person, only see their faults. But as you grow up, you start to see um, not just what's wrong with them, but also why, and you start to forgive them a little bit for their flaws because you go, oh, you know, he might be grumpy, but it's because he's, uh, you know, stressed or whatever. I don't know what 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 it might be, but that kind of thing. Like for example, I used to always be frustrated by, well, not frustrated, but you know, you'd say things like, "Why do old people always move so slow?" You know, and you, you know, you get stuck behind one in on a footpath or something, and you're like, "Oh bloody hell! Why do they move so damn slow?" and um, someone told me once like the reason they move slowly is because it hurts to move like they're in pain at the moment (laughs) like and you're rolling your eyes that it's taking five seconds longer and huffing and puffing and they're actually physically being in pain so who's got it worse off like you know and so that's the kind of thing that comes with age you start to see the reason why someone might be you know, whatever annoys you about them, uh, eventually, hopefully, you, you can be like, oh, but there's actually a good reason they're that way. All right. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I am not impatient about old people now. I'm talking about when you're a, a, an idiot teenager. I was an idiot teenager at some point, believe it or not. Okay. Oh, that was a good latte. And a great discussion. Now we are going to read chapter 21, which goes like this. Mr. Perkins soon saw that his words had had no effect on Philip, and for the rest of the term ignored him. He wrote a report which was vitriolic. When it arrived and Aunt Louisa asked Philip what it was like, he answered cheerfully, rotten. Is it? said the vicar. I must look at it again you think there's any use in my staying on at Turkenbury? "'I should have thought it would be better if I went to Germany for a bit.' "'What has put that idea in your head?' said Aunt Louisa. "'Don't you think it's rather a good idea?' Sharp had already left King's School and had written to Philip from Hanover. He was really starting life, and it made Philip more restless to think of it. He felt he could not bear another year of restraint. "'But then you wouldn't get a scholarship.' "'I haven't a chance of getting one anyhow, "'and besides, I don't know that I particularly want to go to Oxford.' "'But if you're going to be ordained, Philip,' "'Aunt Louisa exclaimed in dismay. "'I've given up that idea long ago.' "'Mrs Carey looked at him with startled eyes, and then, "'used used to self-restraint, "'she poured out another cup of tea for his uncle. "'They did not speak. "'In a moment, Philip saw tears slowly falling down her cheeks. "'His heart was suddenly wrung because he caused her pain.' In her tight black dress, made by the dressmaker down the street, with her wrinkled face and pale, tired eyes, her grey hair still done in the frivolous ringlets of her youth, she was a ridiculous but strangely pathetic figure. Philip saw it for the first time. Afterwards, when the vicar was shut up in in his study with the curate, he put his arms around her waist. "'I say I'm sorry you're upset, Aunt Louisa,' he said. "'But it's no good my being ordained if I haven't a real vocation, is it?' "'I am so disappointed, Philip,' she moaned. "'I'd set my heart on it. "'I thought you could be your uncle's curate. "'And then when our time came, after all, we can't last forever, can we? "'You might have taken his place.' "'Philip shivered. "'He was seized with panic. "'His heart beat like a pigeon in a trap beating with its wings. "'His aunt wept softly, her head upon his shoulder.' I wish you'd persuade Uncle William to let me leave Turkenbury. I'm so sick of it. But the Vicar of Blackstable did not easily alter any arrangements he had made, and it had always been intended that Philip should stay at King's School till he was eighteen, and should then go to Oxford. At all events, he would not hear of Philip's leaving then, for no notice had been given, and the terms fee would have to be paid in advance. In any case, sorry. Then will you go, sorry, then will you give notice for me to leave at Christmas? said Philip, at the end of a long and often bitter conversation. I'll write to Mr. Perkins about it and see what he says. Oh, I wish to goodness I were twenty-one. It is awful to be at somebody else's beck and call. Philip, you shouldn't speak to your uncle like that, said Mrs. Carey gently. But don't you see that Perkins will want me to stay? He gets so much ahead for every chap in the school. Why don't you want to go to Oxford? What's the good if I'm not going into the church? You can't go into the church. You're in the church already, said the vicar. Ordained, then, replied Philip impatiently. What are you going to be, Philip? asked Mrs. Carey. I don't know. I've not made up my mind, but whatever I am, it'll be useful to know foreign languages. I shall get far more out of a year in Germany than by staying on it at that hole." He would not say that he felt Oxford would be little better than a continuation of his life at school. He wished immensely to be his own master. Besides, he would be known to a certain extent among our old schoolfellows, and he wanted to get away from them all. He felt that his life at school had been a failure. He wanted to start fresh. It happened that his desire to go to Germany fell in with certain ideas which had been of late discussed at Blackstable. Sometimes friends came to stay with the doctor and brought news of the world outside, and the visitors spending August by the sea had their own way of looking at things. The vicar had heard that there were people who did not think the old-fashioned education so useful nowadays, as it had been in the past, and modern languages were gaining an importance which they had not had in his own youth. His own mind was divided, for a young brother of his had been sent to Germany when he failed in some examination, thus creating a precedent, but since he had there died of typhoid, it was impossible to look upon the experiment as other than dangerous. The result of innumerable conversations was that Philip should go back to Turkenbury for another term, and then should leave. With this agreement, Philip was not dissatisfied, but... When he had been back a few days, the headmaster spoke to him. "'I've had a letter from your uncle. It appears you want to go to Germany, and he asks me what I think about it.' Philip was astounded. He was furious with his guardian for going back on his word. "'I thought it was settled, sir,' he said. "'Far from it. I've written to say I think it is the greatest mistake to take you away.' Philip immediately sat down and wrote a violent letter to his uncle. He did not measure his language. He was so angry that he could not get to sleep till quite late that night, and he awoke in the early morning and began brooding over the way they had treated him. He waited impatiently for an answer. In two or three days it came. It was a mild, pained letter from Aunt Louisa, saying that he should not write such things to his uncle, who was very much distressed. He was unkind and unchristian. He must know they were only trying to do their best for him and they were so much older than he that they must be better judges of what was good for him. Philip clenched his hands. He had heard that statement so often and he could not see why it was true. They did not know the conditions as he did. Why should they accept it as self-evident that their greater age gave them greater wisdom? The letter ended with the information that Mr. Carey had withdrawn the notice he had given. Philip nursed his wrath till the next half-holiday. They had them on Tuesdays and Thursdays, since on Saturday afternoons they had to go to a service in the cathedral. He stopped behind when the rest of the six went out. "'May I go to Black Stable this afternoon, please, sir?' he asked. "'No,' said the headmaster briefly. "'I wanted to see my uncle about something very important. "'Didn't you hear me say no?' Philip did not answer. He went out. He felt almost sick with humiliation, the humiliation of having to ask and the humiliation of the curt refusal. He hated the headmaster now. Philip writhed under that despotism, despotism, which never vouchsafed a reason for the most tyrannous act. He was too angry to care what he did and after dinner walked down to the station by the back ways he knew so well just in time to catch the train to Blackstable. He walked into the vicarage and found his uncle and aunt sitting in the dining room. "'Halloa. Where have you sprung from?' said the vicar. It was very clear that he was not pleased to see him. He looked a little uneasy. "'I thought I'd come and see you about my leaving. I want to know what you mean by promising me one thing when I was here and doing something different a week after.' He was a little frightened at his own boldness, but he had made up his mind exactly what words to use, and though his heart beat violently, he forced himself to say them. "'Have you got leave to come here this afternoon?' "'No.' I asked Perkins, and he refused. "'If you like to write and tell him I've been here, you can get me into a really fine old row.' Mrs. Carey sat knitting with trembling hands. She was unused to scenes, and they agitated her extremely." It would serve you right if I told him, said Mr. Carey. If you like to be a perfect sneak, you can. After writing to Perkins, as you did, you're quite capable of it. It was foolish of Philip to say that, because it gave the vicar exactly the opportunity he wanted. I'm not going to sit still while you say impertinent things to me, he said with dignity. He got up and walked quickly out of the room into his study. Philip heard him shut the door and lock it. Oh, "'Oh, I wish to God I was twenty-one. It is awful to be tied down like this.' Aunt Louisa began to qu- to cry quietly. "'Oh, Philip, you oughtn't t- to have spoken to your uncle like that. Do please go and tell him you're sorry.' "'I'm not, in the least, sorry. He's taking a mean advantage. Of course, it's just a waste of money keeping me on at school. But what does he care? It's not his money.' It was cruel to put me under the guardianship of people who know nothing about things. Philip? Philip, in his voluble anger, stopped suddenly at the sound of her voice. It was heartbroken. He had not realized what bitter things he was saying. Philip, how can you be so unkind? You know we are only trying to do our best for you, and we know that we have no experience. It isn't as if we'd had any children of our own. "'That's why we consulted Mr. Perkins,' her voice broke. "'I've tried to be like a mother to you. "'I've loved you as if you were my own son.' "'She was so small and frail, "'there was something so pathetic in her old maidish air "'that Philip was touched. "'A great lump came suddenly to his throat, "'and his eyes filled with tears. "'I'm so sorry,' he said. "'I didn't mean to be beastly.' "'He knelt down beside her, and took her in his arms and kissed her wet, withered cheeks. She sobbed bitterly, and he seemed to feel on a sudden the pity of that wasted life. She had never surrendered herself before to such a display of emotion. I know I've not been what I wanted to be to you, Philip, but I didn't know how. It's been just as dreadful for me to have no children as for you to have no mother. Philip forgot his anger and his own concerns but thought only of consoling her. With broken words and clumsy little caresses, then the clock struck and he had to bolt off at once to catch the only train that would get him back to Turkenbury in time for callover. As he sat in the corner of the railway carriage, he saw that he had done nothing. He was angry with himself for his weakness. It was despicable to have allowed himself to be turned from his purpose by the pompous airs of the vicar and the tears of his aunt but as the result but as the result of he knew not what but as the result of he knew not what conversations between the couple another letter was written to the headmaster mr perkins read it with an impatient shrug of the shoulders he showed it to philip it ran <clears throat> Dear Mr. Perkins, forgive me for troubling you again about my ward, but both his aunt and I have been uneasy about him. He seems very anxious to leave school, and his aunt thinks he is unhappy. It is very difficult for us to know what to do, as we are not his parents. He does not seem to think he is doing very well, and he feels it is wasting his money to stay on. I should be very much obliged if you would have a talk to him, and if he is still on the same mind, perhaps it would be better if he left at Christmas as I originally intended." Yours very truly, William Carey. Philip gave him back the letter. He felt a thrill of pride in his triumph. He had got his own way, and he was satisfied. He will had he, His will had gained a victory over the wills of others. "'It's not very much good my spending half an hour writing to your uncle if he changes his mind the next letter he gets from you,' said the headmaster irritably. Philip said nothing, and his face was perfectly placid, but he could not prevent the twinkle in his eyes. Mr. Perkins noticed it and broke into a little laugh. "'You've rather scored, haven't you?' he said. Then Philip smiled outright. He could not conceal his exultation. "'Is it true that you are very anxious to leave?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Are you unhappy here?' Philip blushed. He hated instinctively any attempt to get into the depths of his feelings. "'Oh, I don't know, sir.' Mr. Perkins, slowly dragging his fingers through his beard, looked at him thoughtfully. He seemed to speak almost to himself. Of course, schools are made for the average. The holes are all around, and whatever shape the pegs are, they must wedge in somehow. One hasn't time to bother about anything but the average. Then suddenly he addressed himself to Philip. Look here, I've got a suggestion to make to you. It's getting on towards the end of the term now. Another term won't kill you, and if you want to go to Germany, you'd better... Go after Easter than after Christmas. It'll be much pleasanter in the spring than in midwinter. If at the end of the next term you still want to go, I'll make no objection. What do you say to that? Thank you very much, sir. Philip was so glad to have gained the last three months that he did not mind the extra term. The school seemed less of a prison when he knew that before Easter he would be free from it forever his heart danced within him. That evening in the chapel he looked round at the boys, standing according to their forms, each in his due place, and he chuckled with satisfaction at the thought that soon he would never see them again. It made him regard them almost with a friendly feeling. His eyes rested on Rose. Rose took his position as a monitor very seriously. He had quite an idea of being a good influence in the school. It was his turn to read the lesson that evening, and he read it very well. Philip smiled when he thought that he would be rid of him forever, and it would not matter in six months whether Rose was tall and straight-limbed, or, and where would the importance be that he was a monitor and captain of the Eleven. Philip looked at the masters in their gowns. Gordon was dead. He had died of a two years before, but all the rest were there. Philip knew now that what a poor lot they were, except Turner, perhaps. There was something of a man in him and he writhed at at the thought of the subjection in which they had held him. In six months they would not matter either. Their praise would mean nothing to him, and he would shrug his shoulders at their censure. Philip had learned not to express his emotions by outward signs, and shyness still tormented him, but he had often very high spirits, and then, though he limped about demurely, silent and reserved, it seemed to be hallowing in his heart. He seemed to himself to walk more lightly. All sorts of ideas danced through his head. Fancies chased one after one another so furiously that he could not catch them. But their coming and their going filled him with exhilaration. Now, being happy, he was able to work, and during the remaining weeks of the term set himself to make up for his long neglect. His brain worked easily, and he took keen pleasure in the activity of his intellect, He did very well in the examinations that closed the term. Mr. Perkins made only one remark. He was talking to him about an essay he had written, and, after the usual criticisms, said, So you've made up your mind to stop playing the fool for a bit, have you? He smiled at him with his shining teeth, and Philip, looking down, gave an embarrassed smile. The half-dozen boys who expected to divide between them the various prizes which were given at the end of the summer term had ceased to look upon Philip as a serious rival, but now they began to regard him with some uneasiness. He told no one that he was leaving at Easter, and so was in no sense a competitor, but left them to their anxieties. He knew that Rose flattered himself on his French, for he had spent two or three holidays in France, and he expected to get the Dean's prize for his for English essay. Philip got a good deal of satisfaction in watching his dismay when he saw how much better Philip was doing in these subjects than himself. Another fellow, Norton, could not go to Oxford unless he got one of the scholarships at the disposal of the school. He asked Philip if he was going in for them. "'Have you any objection?' asked Philip. It entertained him to think that he held someone else's future in his hand. There was something romantic in getting these various rewards actually in his grasp, and then leaving them to others because he disdained them. At last the breaking up day came, and he went to mister Perkins to bid him goodbye. You don't mean to say you really want to leave. Philip's face fell at the headmaster's evident surprise. You said you wouldn't put any objection in the way, sir, he answered. I thought it was only a whim that I'd be that I'd better humour. I know you're obstinate and headstrong, What on earth do you want to leave for now? You've only got another term in any case. You can get the Magdalen scholarship easily. You'll get half the prizes we've got to give. Philip looked at him sullenly. He felt that he had been tricked, but he had the promise, and Perkins would have to stand by it. You'll have a very pleasant time at Oxford. You needn't decide at once what you're going to do afterwards. I wonder if you realise how delightful the life is up there for anyone who has brains. "'I've made all my arrangements now to go to Germany, sir,' said Philip. "'Are they arrangements that couldn't possibly be altered?' asked Mr. Perkins, with his quizzical smile. "'I shall be very sorry to lose you. In schools, the rather stupid boys who work always do better than the clever boys who idle. But when the clever boys work, why then? He does what you've done this term.' Philip flushed darkly. He was unused to compliments, and no one had ever told him he was clever. The headmaster put his hand on Philip's shoulder. You know, driving things into the heads of thick-witted boys is dull work, but when, now and then, you have the chance of teaching a boy who comes halfway towards you, who understands almost before you've got the words out of your mouth, why then teaching is the most exhilarating thing in the world. Philip was melted by kindness. It had never really sorry it had never occurred to him that it mattered really to Mr Perkins whether he went or stayed. He was touched and immensely flattered. It would be pleasant to end up his school days with glory and then go to Oxford. In a flash there appeared before him the life which he had heard described from boys who came back to play in the OKS match or in letters from the university read out in one of the studies. But he was ashamed. He would look such a fool in his own eyes if he gave in. Now His uncle would chuckle at the success of the headmaster's ruse. It was rather a come-down from the dramatic surrender of all the prizes which were in his reach, because he disdained to take them, to the plain ordinary winning of them. It only required a little more persuasion, just enough to save his self-respect, and Philip would have done anything that Mr. Perkins wished. But his face showed nothing of his conflicting emotions. It was placid and sullen. I think I'd rather go, sir, he said. Mr. Perkins, like many men who manage things by their personal influence, grew a little impatient when his power was not immediately manifest. He had a great deal of work to do, and could not waste more time on a boy who seemed to him insanely obstinate. "'Very well. I promised to let you, if you really wanted it, and I keep my promise. When do you go to Germany?' Philip's heart beat violently. The battle was won, and he did not know whether he had not rather lost it. "'At the beginning of May, sir,' he answered." Well, you must come and see us when you get back. He held out his hand. If he had given him one more chance, Philip would have changed his mind, but he seemed to look upon the master as settled. Philip walked out of the house. His school days were over, and he was free. But the wild exultation to which he had looked forward at that moment was not there. He walked round the precincts slowly, and a profound depression seized him. He wished now that he had not been foolish. He did not want to go, but he knew he could never bring himself to go to the headmaster and tell him he would stay. That was a humiliation he could never put upon himself. He wondered whether he had done right. He was dissatisfied with himself and with all his circumstances. He asked himself dully whether, whenever you got your way, you wished afterwards that you hadn't. Alright, there we go. There's another chapter down. Uh, Have your say about this one over at the subreddit. Interesting chapter. Bloody long chapter, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, I look forward to seeing your comments. I'll see you tomorrow.